Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Urbandale, Iowa. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Jesus Christ. Join Pastor Mike as he teaches through the Gospel of Luke. That brings us then to truth point number one that speaks into this. And I want you to take note of this, that the fleshly desire for greatness, the fleshly desire for greatness requires that we put self first because the only way you're going to rise to the top is if your focus is on yourself, developing your skill, developing your knowledge, whatever the case may be. It requires a self-first position. But greatness in the kingdom of God requires something quite opposite. It requires that we put self last. And why do we need to put self last? Well, because we would need, if we're going to be great in the kingdom of heaven, to help others reach their God-given potential. I want you to think of it like this. Greatness is not found in the person who rises to the top to become the world's premier surgeon. That's not where greatness is. Greatness is in those who sacrifice to give that person the ability to become who and what they are. We tend to look at the surgeon and say, wow, have you seen the things that he or she has been able to develop, the new techniques and the many lives that this person has saved? Wow, that person, Dr. So-and-so, is really great. But in reality, the way God looks at it, the people that are really great are the ones who sacrifice so that Dr. So-and-so could become who and what he or she is. And as I think about that, I think about The mother who scrubbed floors so that her son or daughter could pay the tuition. I think of the father who works multiple jobs to ensure that they have the things that they need so that they're not bothered with having to work. As we all know, if you're going to get through medical school, I mean, you got to give complete focus right there. I think of the spouse who marries that individual and then does everything for that individual while they're finishing up their education, going through residency and all the rest, and they give up everything so that that person is free to be able to flourish and become what they are meant to become. It's that mother, that father, that spouse who are the great ones because they took a lesser position intentionally in order to help someone else reach their God-given potential. Now, to make his point, getting back to Luke, we find Jesus reached out to one of the children that was in the house, and he pulled this little child close to himself and stood him by his side. And you know, when we look at that scene, isn't that so heartwarming? Isn't that so cute? Jesus, with his arms around the little children, And that is such a lovely thing. Makes a great Hallmark card, doesn't it? But can I tell you that heartwarming and cute was not not what Jesus was going for in this scene. You see, in this culture, children did not enjoy the prominence that they have in our culture. In fact, the Talmud, which is a record of rabbinic teachings that spanned over 600 years, taught that spending time with children was a waste of time. One rabbi wrote this, and I quote, Morning sleep 
which we all love, right? And midday wine, which we all long for, right? Oh, maybe, I don't know. Morning sleep and midday wine, chattering with children and tarrying in places where common people assemble, destroy a man. Giving your time to children is not going to advance your life, this rabbi says. So when Jesus pulled that little boy close to his side, what was he doing? In fact, what he was doing was creating a physical illustration that would speak volumes about what he was about to say verbally. What is the physical illustration that Jesus is wanting to make here? Well, he's pitting himself juxtaposed to the child. And Jesus knows that he is adored, he is loved, he is highly valued by his disciples. In fact, they would look at him and say, you're great. But then the child, someone who they gave very little consideration to, very little respect to, very little, very little admiration for. He was juxtaposing his greatness and his treasuredness juxtaposed to this child who is not regarded as anything significant or important. And as he makes that physical illustration, he says, Whoever receives this child in my name receives me. Now notice he's not saying there, whoever uh, receives uh, me receives the child. This is the opposite. Whoever will look upon this child and receive this child with respect and with honor and with dignity, that person is the one who receives me. In other words, how you relate to this child, and by implication, all who are considered lowly, is a sign that you belong to Jesus and to his Father. I want you to think about what Jesus says here. If you receive the child, you receive me. Well, what if we turn that inside out? What if we reject the child? And not just the child. Let's think more bigger than that. Let's think of those who are lowly those who do not have great significance in the eyes of the world, those who are never considered great in the world. Well, what if we reject them? Does the same apply? Does that mean then we reject Jesus? Truth point number two tells us that saving and sanctifying grace reorient one's understanding of what good or what great is and what it's not. Because of that, Jesus' followers welcome the lowly because it is the lowly who have Jesus' attention. Saving and sanctifying grace reorient our understanding of what is great and what is not. As Jesus' followers, we welcome the lowly because it is the lowly who have Jesus' attention. Do you remember what Jesus said earlier in the Gospel of Luke when he was asked a question about why he ate and drank with tax collectors and sinners instead of with the Pharisees and the religious crowd? Luke chapter 5 verses 31 through 32, listen to what he says. He says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous but the sinners to repentance. When you look at that statement, where is Jesus' focus? 
Is his focus on those who think they are righteous? Is his focus on those whom the world say is great? No, 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 not at all. He's not even come for that at all. What I've come for is to associate myself and to call to myself and to lift up those who are the marginalized, those who are the insignificant from the world's perspective, those who are sinners. The overall point here communicates that greatness in the kingdom of God is not defined in the same way it is defined in the kingdom of man. And that brings us to truth point number three. That's not who gets the biggest crown or gets their name in lights or who has the most praise by men, but who follows Jesus in the pathway of humility. That is who is great. Not the one who wears the biggest crown, not the one who has their name in lights, and not the one who is praised by men, but the one who follows Jesus in the pathway of humility. They're the ones that are considered great. You know, the Holy Spirit gave the Apostle Paul revelation about Jesus and his humility. And after receiving that revelation from the Spirit, Paul then gave it to the, to the church at Philippi. Subsequently, it was recorded in God's Word, and we have it, so let's look at it. Philippians chapter 2, beginning with verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. We find Jesus here practicing what he preaches. Unlike the apostles, Jesus deserves first place. He is, in fact, the preeminent one. He is the fullness of greatness. But what I want to communicate to you this morning is that Jesus' greatness goes beyond just the fact that he is divine. His greatness goes beyond just the fact that he is God. And I know that sounds like maybe we're about to head over into some heresy here because, wow, if you're divine, if you're God, you're at the top of the ladder and everybody else is looking up. So what else could make you greater? Well, this, that when asked to lay aside the independent use of his divine attributes. Instead of grasping as though they were that important, rather than wrangling or clawing or fighting to maintain his elevated position, he willingly laid that aside to become a servant. And in becoming a servant, he became last. He became least. He became those things by dying a criminal's death on a cross so that he could elevate repentant sinners to a place of acceptance and inclusion into the family of God. Now, I can't think of anything greater than an almighty, all-knowing, ever-present, glorious God who needs nothing or anything 
who is willing to make himself a servant and do the, the nasty, dirty work that was required to bring salvation's grace into the heart of filthy sinners. And he does all of that so that he can elevate them. I, I don't know of anything greater than that. That is phenomenal. Perhaps I could think of a bunch of nasty sinners who might try to do that in order to prove their greatness. But he had nothing to prove. He became a servant so that he might elevate, so that he might be able to help repentant sinners to reach their God-given potential. And what did he receive for all of his humiliation, service, and sacrifice? Well, let's finish that passage, verse 9. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Again, Jesus didn't just teach a truth. He actually lived it out. He became for a time the least among us all. And that incomparable humility burst forth in unimaginable greatness. This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission.